Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, March 14th. In today's news, Rex Tillerson's firing leaves the State Department in a state of uncertainty. Prosecutors will seek the death penalty against the Parkland gunman. And physicist Stephen Hawking has died. But first, the big idea. The special election in Pennsylvania shows Republicans still have not found a winning message for the midterms. The GOP threw the kitchen sink to hold a House seat in Pennsylvania that President Trump won by 20 points. But while the election remains too close to call, Democrat Connor Lamb clings to a narrow lead. With all the precincts reporting, Lamb has 49.8% of the vote to Republican Rick Saccone's 49.6%. There are thousands of absentee and provisional ballots outstanding, and a recount is possible if the candidates are separated by less than half a percentage point. Saccone told his supporters around midnight that he will not concede. You know, we're still fighting the fight. It's not over yet. We're going to fight all the way to all the way to the end. Around 1 a.m., Lamb declared victory at his party. Well, it took a little longer than we thought, but we did it. The media today is going to focus on what an embarrassment this is for Trump. And it is. He went to Pittsburgh twice in the closing weeks to help pull Saccone across the finish line. The White House also deployed Don Jr. on Monday, Ivanka, Kellyanne Conway, Mike Pence, and even Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke, all to try and help out. But the bigger reason that the savviest GOP operatives in D.C. are freaking out right now is that the results underscore the degree to which the party has been unable to home in on a message that can reliably win races in this environment. Republican groups carpet-bombed Lamb with ads linking him to Nancy Pelosi. But the Democrat largely diffused these hits by running a response ad saying he wouldn't support her for leader. They tried to run on the tax cuts, highlighting Lamb's opposition to the new law. These ads didn't move the needle at all, so the GOP stopped talking about taxes. Remember, that was supposed to be the signature issue they could run on. Then they tried to paint Lamb, a Marine Corps veteran and former prosecutor, as soft on crime and weak on sanctuary cities. They tried that in Virginia last year against Democrat Ralph Northam in the governor's race. It didn't work there, and it didn't work in Pennsylvania either. Trump told several people that he thought his tariffs could help tip the race his way. There are 18,000 members of the United Steelworkers Union who live in this 18th district. But both candidates embraced the new tariffs, and the union backed the Democrat because the Republican supports right-to-work legislation. So the tariff issue was basically a wash. Most of all, money was essentially no object. National Republicans spent about $11 bucks to help Saccone, more than five times as much as their Democratic rivals. They're not going to be able to spend that much in every close race this fall. So there are a lot of reasons for Republicans to worry coming off what happened in Pennsylvania, even before the race is called. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Trump ousted Secretary of State Rex Tillerson on Tuesday and nominated CIA Director Mike Pompeo as his replacement. The president told reporters that he decided to fire the secretary because they disagreed over strategy about how to deal with Iran and North Korea and the overall tone of U.S. diplomacy. The White House says tensions between the two have been escalating for the past several weeks. But Trump's surprise tweet announcing the news came just hours after Tillerson called for the administration to take a harder line on Russia. 
In a press conference yesterday after he got the can, Tillerson's voice quivered as he thanked career diplomats and the American people. He singled out Defense Secretary Jim Mattis for his partnership and mutual support, but he notably did not thank Trump or praise his policies. Last night, Tillerson handed off all of his duties to a deputy. This shakeup has left officials at Foggy Bottom and throughout the national security community flummoxed. The circumstances of the firing continue to be in dispute. White House officials claim that Chief of Staff John Kelly called Tillerson early Saturday and woke him up during a trip to Africa to alert him of Trump's decision to replace him at some point in the coming days. But Tillerson says he didn't find out about his firing until Trump tweeted the news on Tuesday. One of Tillerson's top aides, an undersecretary of state, put out a statement saying that Tillerson was, quote, unaware of the reasons for being fired and that he hadn't spoken directly with Trump. The White House then called that guy up and fired him for contradicting their official storyline they were trying to push. Trump also tapped Gina Haspel to be the next CIA director as part of this shakeup, elevating a woman who spent multiple tours overseas and is respected at Langley. She has also been deeply involved, though, in the agency's use of brutal interrogation measures, and her selection faced immediate backlash from some lawmakers like John McCain, who was tortured in Vietnam, and human rights groups. Haspel was in charge of one of the CIA's black site prisons, where detainees were subjected to waterboarding and other harrowing interrogation measures widely condemned as torture. When those methods were exposed and their legality came under scrutiny, Haspel was among a group of CIA officers involved in the decision to destroy videotapes of interrogation sessions that left some detainees on the brink of physical collapse. That said, current and former U.S. intelligence officers who have worked with Haspel praise her as an effective leader who will stand up to the president when he goes soft on Russia. Officials say CIA employees will greet her appointment with relief because an intelligence veteran will be back in charge. The confirmation of Pompeo and Haspel is likely to be hampered but not stymied by a mostly partisan backlash to their past statements and actions. Leaders of both parties predict it will take a while to confirm them, which will leave the State Department officially rudderless at a time when the administration faces pressing national security challenges and potentially a meeting between the president and Kim Jong-un in the next two months. Number two. Prosecutors in Broward County, Florida, are seeking a death sentence for the alleged Parkland shooter Nicholas Cruz. Cruz killed 17 students and staff at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School on Valentine's Day. His own attorneys do not contest his guilt, and they have offered to have him plead guilty if prosecutors agree not to seek the death penalty and instead give him a life sentence in prison. The president may have caved to the NRA and backed off his calls for meaningful action, but advocacy, even agitation, continues. A permit request has finally been approved for a major rally called the March for Our Lives that will take place later this month in Washington. As many as 500,000 people are expected to attend. It's being planned by survivors of the Parkland school shooting. More than 700 sibling marches are being planned around the world. And yesterday, about 7,000 pairs of shoes were displayed on the lawn of the U.S. Capitol. Each pair represents a child who has been killed by gun violence since the 2012 massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. One of the people who donated shoes was Tom Mauser, whose son Daniel was killed in the Columbine High School shooting back in 1999. Number three, Stephen Hawking, the celebrated physicist, died earlier today at his home in England. He was 76. 
Hawking has suffered since the age of 21 from a degenerative motor neuron disease, which left him unable to move or speak except through a computer-synthesized voice. But though he was initially given just two years to live, he overcame depression and went on to achieve remarkable scientific breakthroughs, including understanding the extreme conditions of black holes. He once said, quote, My goal is simple. It is complete understanding of the universe, why it is as it is, and why it exists at all. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, March 14th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.